you got your Bible, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going to do something a little different uh, this morning. Instead of having a formal Boston mission report service like on a Sunday night, we've done that in years past. Uh, this morning what I want to do is I want to be able to preach through some of the things that we experienced in Boston, some of the things that we uh, saw God do and some of the incredible things how uh, God is moving there and how I believe God is still moving here and how those two things connect by His Word. And so uh, this morning I'm going to preach a sermon uh, about a mission trip. So that's kind of an interesting topic and an interesting thought. We're kind of taking a break from our summer preaching series uh, to do this. And so uh, hang with me. I believe that some of the things that we're going to share today, I believe, are very impactful for what's going on here in Warren as well. You saw the graphic on the screen earlier. That's Winthrop. Winthrop is a suburb of Boston. So when you think about Boston proper, you got to think about all these different little towns that make up uh, Boston. So when I, we talk about Winthrop, that's the actual town that we went to to actually help serve and the church plant is in. Here's a picture of our team. We had 18 of us uh, go. That's, uh, that's all of us. That includes Shelton and Lauren and, and baby Elliot. And so uh, they're, they're all in that picture with us. That is the state house. I think if you were around last year, maybe you saw that picture. That's the it's kind of like the state building, and that, that golden dome is actual gold, and it was actually hammered by Paul Revere, which is incredible. Okay? And so we could tell you all kinds of incredible stories of the history of Boston and, and how rich and how deep and how incredible that is. We could talk about the weather, about how an 85-degree day is just so hot. Uh, they actually have an event today. Uh, Harbor City Church has an event today. They were going to do a picnic, but it's too hot to do the picnic there. And it's like 92 degrees. And so they canceled the picnic and told everybody to meet them at a restaurant. And I'm like, that's incredible. Now, on the same breath, we don't understand cold like they understand cold. We, we were talking to them and they said that uh, from Winthrop, it's a peninsula and you can see Logan Airport. And he said last winter, it's negative six degrees and that whole ocean freezes over. You could walk from Winthrop to the airport, which is incredible. It's another uh, topic of, of, of weather that we could talk about. We could talk about... The appreciation that the community felt from the impact that we were there that week. Listen, we smoked. You bring a bunch of Arkansas people up. We're going to smoke something. We smoked Boston butts. We smoked uh, whole chickens uh, and, and fed the police department in winter because nobody had ever done that for them before. And they were just overwhelmed by the fact that we would bring them dinner one night. We weeded and weed-eated and mowed and trimmed and mulched and raked and edged and Cut tre- I cut a tree. Uh, it was awesome with a chainsaw, and it was scary. And so we did all that in five different city buildings for the junior high, the senior high, the middle school, the elementary, the city municipal building, the park, and a, and a court square downtown. That We did all that stuff. Uh, people stopping by and saying, why are y'all doing that? Thank you so much. That's, it's kind of incredible. We, we pulled carpet. We cleaned. We moved furniture. We, we knocked down walls in an in a old house. We, uh, we had multiple conversations with people in the, in the city. We, we baked cookies that another team was going to deliver to the 180 businesses in Winthrop. Every business in Winthrop got a, a batch of fresh-baked cookies from Harbor City Church that week. And some of our ladies helped bake those cookies. We made inroads with the Parks and Rec Department and the town council. Uh, the women of our church, listen, the women of our church, we, we split up one day. The women went one way, the guys went another way. The women went and had coffee uh, and, and bagels with some of the women of Harbor City Church. And through that conversation, those women are, are discussing real-life plans about how they can get down and come to our women's retreat this January. Isn't that awesome? 
Uh, I told them, listen, I made an executive decision. I told them, if you'll get here, we'll cover your cost of the retreat. And it's because it's, it's an incredible opportunity for them to come and be a part of what's going on here. We're talking like five or six, seven women who want to be a part of that. The men, I could tell you about the, the super secret mobster hangout that we went to. But if I told you, I'd have to kill you. So we're going to have to just go right over that. Okay, so there's just all these incredible stories that happened. But I believe what, what we saw happen in winter is the exact same thing that we see happening right here in Warren. The same message that Jason, our church planner, preaches in Winthrop is the same message that I preach right here in Warren. And yeah, we have to, we have to come at it from two different perspectives, maybe from two different uh, viewpoints. Uh, but it's the same message, the same God as that active and at work in Winthrop as he is here in Warren. And so we're going to talk through all this under the umbrella of uh, a theme verse. But here's the three, the three points that we're going to look at this morning. We're going to talk about the church, we're going to talk about obedience, and we're going to talk about prayer. And with each one of these, I've got a little story to tell you about some of the things that happened, and you'll see some of the, uh, some pictures, a little bit of the pictures about some of the things that are going on there. But it's all under this umbrella of Hebrews chapter 6. Now, if you read this, it's going to sound pretty poignant. It's going to sound kind of in your face, but it's more in our face than it is in the face of those individuals in Winthrop. So let's read this together, and we'll kind of dive in. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. God permitting, we will do so. This is the author of Hebrews saying, listen, let's, let's move past these elementary teachings and let's go on to something a little bit deeper. Let's not have to go over all this stuff over and over and over again. Let's go deeper. And for, for us, I look at that and I go, church, it's time for us to go deeper. And for the church in Winthrop, it's time for them to begin to connect some of those dots and begin to go a little bit deeper too. So let's, let's kind of just start diving. If, you gotta, if you're taking notes, it's real easy. Number one, church. Church from the Winthrop perspective is this. The church is there to get something from you. That's the only reason that the church exists. There are six churches in Winthrop, Massachusetts. Here they are. St. John, the Evangelist Catholic Church. That's a mouthful, but that's the name of the church. Uh, that pastor, just heads up, does not like our church planner at all. Like there's been multiple interactions and they just don't, he just doesn't like him. And Jason's been nothing but nice, but he just doesn't like him. St. John's, another St. John's Episcopal Church. St. John's Episcopal Church has a homosexual pastor married to another man. The Methodist church in town has a lesbian pastor married to another woman. There's a Holy Rosary Catholic church, which is a, get this, a charismatic, faith-healing, speaking-in-tongues Catholic church. There's a Jewish synagogue, and there's Harbor City Church. Harbor City Church is the only gospel-centered, evangelical, Jesus-preaching Bible-believing church in the town of Winthrop. Winthrop has about between eighteen and 20,000 people. I think the number he gave us this time was 22,000 people in Winthrop. One gospel-preaching church. I, I told you guys last week about the, the, the place that we went to, Fort Heath, and we could see the, the, the landscape of the other towns that kind of outline uh, Boston. I put a picture of that on the screen. I know it's very, very, very hard to see. Okay, so this is a panoramic picture 
I took on my phone. We're standing on the bank and this across the little ocean, if you could see on the horizon, I zoomed in, hit that next picture, Mark. There's just a little bit of a zoom in on that. That's just one little section of these towns that line that whole peninsula that goes off of, of Boston. The towns are named uh, Revere, that up on the screen, uh, Lynn, Swampscott, it sounds like an Arkansas town, Nahant, Marblehead, Salem, Beverly, and Saugus. Now, these are the populations of those towns. Revere has 51,000 people in it. Lynn, Lynn has a, the, their town motto is Lynn, Lynn, the city of sin, you never come out like the way you came in. 90,000 people. Swampscott, 14. Nahant, 3,000. Nahant's the very end of that little uh, peninsula. It's just like a little um, community at the very end of it. Marblehead. Salem's right behind all that 41,000 people. Beverly, 287,000 people. That does not include the 22,000 people that are in Winthrop. In all of those churches, in all those towns, there's not one gospel-preaching church. Not one. The only, the closest one is Harbor City Church in Winthrop. 287,000 people with no access to the gospel. Nothing representing Christ. Nothing understanding the relationship with Jesus is. And, and of those six churches that I mentioned earlier, Harbor City Church is the second largest congregation with their average attendance of around 50. Second largest 50 people out of the quarter of a million people who who are finally connecting who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them here's what's incredible every week every saturday night the church harbor city church about half of them show up and they set up church they meet in an old gymnasium the old middle school gym there's no air conditioning in the gym it's this kind of, you know, the, the way a gym smells. You know, it's just got that smell. And there's this old hardwood floor, and they, they set up tables and chairs and coffee tables and, uh, and all kinds of stuff and welcome centers, and they have stuff to give away and Bible study things to give away and TVs and the, the worship equipment all get set up. Every Saturday night at 7 o'clock, half the church shows up to set up church so they can have church on Sunday morning. Now, here's what's incredible about that. Last Sunday... If you were here, last Sunday morning, we have this incredible facility with all the bells and whistles that we can have in it. And, and I was back in the back, and the power went out. And I went, oh, gosh, it's going to get so hot in here. And then I went, oh, gosh, there's not going to be any PowerPoint. Oh, we're not going to be able to hear anybody. And, uh, and the, there was this collective groan from everybody. I know you did it, so don't act like you're holy and you didn't. Everybody went, Oh, and then it came back on and we went, man, I didn't want to have to be uncomfortable at church today. But would you, church, would you be willing to come set up church on Saturday night so that we can have church on Sunday morning? An uncomfortable, not the coolest experience, not the most uh, comfortable environment. Would, would you be willing to sacrifice your Saturday night so that we could have Sunday morning church? Listen, these folks in Winthrop are getting it. And we sit back and go, oh, there's not air conditioning. I'm not coming. The church that most people identify with in the Boston area is the Catholic church. Here's, 
here's what happened. We had gone um, to uh, a place to eat lunch after our super secret mobster hangout. Um, we went down, the guys went down to this place to eat lunch. And the guy who owns this restaurant uh, is a believer. But Jason actually led him to Christ about nine months ago, but he's never come to their church services. He just won't show up. Uh, his name is Paul. You can pray for Paul. Paul um, has this uh, incredible little hole-in-the-wall restaurant and delicatessen place, and uh, we ate these incredible sandwiches there. And while we were talking, I sat down by Jason, and Paul came over, and he says, hey, hey, uh, if you want to, you can put a poster for your church in the window of, of, the, of the market. He said, and that's just good advertising for you. And Jason was like, really? He said, yeah, yeah, it'd be great. Put a, put a poster up. He said, that's no big deal. He said, I'd happy, happy to do that. Jason said, I'll get you a poster this afternoon. So I'll go home and print one out right now. He said, if you want to, you can, in, in his best Boston accent, you can put one of these ribbons up, and it'll be a great fundraiser for your church. And he points back over behind my shoulder, and I'm like, ribbons? And Jason just kind of blows that off and goes on. And, and I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I mean, hopefully, Paul said, hopefully all the money goes to the church. And so he walked off and he kept being busy. And I looked at Jason and said, what are you ta- what's he talking about? And he said, look over your shoulder. And there's a picture of a saint. It was Saint, uh, I think it was Saint Anthony. Uh, and on the saint, there was ribbons that were coming down. And, and if you want that saint to pray for you, then you pin a little money to the ribbon. And that saint will pray for you. And Jason said, here's what's crazy. He said, the reason why he said, hopefully all the money goes to the church. He said, because about six or eight months ago, there was a big... Uh, there was a big event in like a town square. He said all these food trucks were there. He said Paul was there. and um, He said they had all the saints out. And you could literally go and pin money on every ribbon and have every saint pay, pray for you if you wanted to. And he said they, they just raised an incredible amount of money. And he said so all these people are there and they're pinning these things and they're asking these saints to pray for them and whatever. And he said, well, after the event, um, everybody's kind of tearing down and people start hanging out and they, they start playing poker. He said, and all the priests stick around to play poker. He said, and what Paul noticed is that all the money they were using had pinholes in it. They had taken the prayer money and were gambling. And I go, no, 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 no reason why they don't trust the church, right? No telling. No, that, that, doesn't, that totally makes sense why they don't trust the church. And so for, for them, the church is about what... What is it going to cost me for the church to do anything for me? And I believe this, this same thought of legalism and ritual is the exact same thought that we face here in Warren. It's not hopefully that you have no fear that your pastor is going to gamble your tithe away. Uh, we're not playing Texas Hold'em in the, in the, in the staff, uh, in the offices. We're not doing that. But it's just this crazy idea that, that here... I believe it's the same thought of what's it going to cost me. If I get really involved, if I really begin to understand what church is and what Jesus wants of me, what's it going to cost me? And can I just answer that question for you this morning? Everything. It's going to cost you everything. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, he said, He told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let me tell you something, church. This this whole church thing, this whole denying yourself and following him, that's what it's all about. I said it last week and and I'll say it again. 
whenever we make it more about us and less about Him, then we've missed it. And that applies to church as well. This church, Emmanuel Baptist Church, exists to take the gospel to those who have not heard it yet. To train and equip its members to fulfill the Great Commission and to make less of ourselves and make more of Him. You know how we do that? We give. We give sacrificially. We give of our money. We give of our time. We give of our talents. We give. We serve. We serve wholeheartedly. We serve our community. We serve our church. We serve each other. We, we lay aside our preferences. And that's a hard one. It's not about what I want or about what I like or my class, or my seat. It's about what can I do so that other people can hear about Jesus. We take up our cross and we follow Him. We die to ourself and we follow Him. That's what this church is about. And that's how we accomplish the church here. It means we give up everything. So that He can do anything. You know what that's going to cost you sometimes? It's going to cost you your lazy Sunday. Maybe for the 13th week in a row. It's going to cost you a little bit of heartache. Because when you volunteer and you serve, and you get plugged in, whether it's with our children's ministry, or our student ministry, or our choir ministry, or our, our hilltop ministry, however it is. Listen, if you come on a Wednesday night, You may be loving on a kid and you know that that's the only positive encouragement that kid's going to get all week long. It's going to break your heart. I served the students of this town for 10 years and I had thousands of kids come through our ministry that I knew when they walked out of those doors, life was against them. Their home was against them. Friends were against them. But when they were here, they could take a deep breath. And it'll break your heart. And you'll be praying for them. And you'll pray for them. And you'll see them out. And you'll know they're doing crazy, stupid stuff. And it'll just break your heart even more. But when they're here, you can invest in them. You can, you can pour into them. Sometimes it costs our preferences. Not about what I prefer. Listen, I'm happily happily will never get what I want if it means somebody else can hear about Jesus. It's going to cost you something. It's dying to ourself. On one hand, we're leaving the elementary teachings in Boston to to describe this rich and full and complete and incredible role of the church in their life. And on the same hand, here in Warren, we're leaving the elementary teachings to explain that church is not a social club with membership perks. We've got to set aside these thoughts, these elementary thoughts of church and go deeper. So church is the first one. Here's the second one. Number two is obedience. Some of the work that we did there this week, we, we were busy a lot. We were busy most days, even late into the days. And uh, One of the things that we did is we helped a church member of Harbor City Church and uh, his name was Jimmy, and uh, Jimmy's a really neat dude. And man, if I could if I could bring somebody back to have them stand on the stage and tell their story, it would be probably Jimmy. Uh, 
Jimmy is a police officer in Winthrop. He's a, um, he's a believer. He and his fiance uh, just were one of the, they were two of the four that got baptized a couple of weeks ago in the ocean. And so uh, Jimmy's really connecting some things. He's really starting to figure some stuff out. Well, long story short is Jimmy's in one house. He has to get out of and he has to get into another house by a certain deadline. And uh, the house that he's moving into was still full of the previous owner's stuff. And, and he had been quoted $10,000 just to move the furniture out. And Jimmy, as a police officer, doesn't have $10,000 to pay somebody to move furniture out. And he, he's told us that he was sitting in the middle of the floor one night, surrounded by all this other person's stuff. And he said, I was literally having a panic attack of how can I get all this done in the time that I don't have to get it done in. Now, why, why did we go help Jimmy? Because, what you guys don't know, is the house that he's currently living in is different levels, all these houses. When I say a house, they call them triple-deckers. It's kind of, a, kind of an interesting phrase. Triple-decker houses are a three-level house, and each level is its own essential apartment, okay? And so you can live in a triple-decker and live on the third floor, and another family live on the second floor, and another family live on the third floor, okay? And so it's, it's just a house, but each level has its own kitchen, and each level has its own living area. It's just kind of an odd setup for us. So Jimmy's in this triple-decker that he owns, and he's trying to get out of it. And so he's, he's gotten all the other tenants out of it. And so Shelton and Lauren, our Shelton and Lauren, show up to Boston without a place to live. Talk about stepping out on faith. God said go, and we're going to go, and we're going to figure something out. And so as they're trying to figure out where they're going to live, Jimmy and Andrea say, well, don't be silly. You'll just live with us. We've got, we've got a whole floor of our apartment or our house that nobody's living in, and you can live there for free until... You can find someplace else. And, and you don't understand the weight that that just lifted off. We got a text last night. They, they just, Shelton and Lauren just finally signed the lease on their very first apartment. They finally just found a place to live. And this whole time they've been there, they've been able to live with Jimmy for free. And so what he's doing for our people, we're going to immediately turn around and do for him. So we're like, what do you need done in this house, homie? What do you need done? So we, we sent our whole team over. We're moving furniture out. We're ripping up carpet. We're, we're knocking down walls. This, this house that he bought was built in 1860. It's beautiful. Hardwood floors. I mean, it's, we, we ripped out a wall. <laughs> it was kind of dumb. We cleaned the house, and then we ripped out a wall, which was totally not our, our thought process. Uh, and when we ripped out this wall, it, they, were, they were rough cuts, two by fours that were literally two inches by four inches rough cut nailed together with square nails. They haven't used square nails in a hundred years. And like the, just the history of this house is just this incredible place. And so we're over there working, we're doing everything that we can do. And one afternoon, the guys are doing some yard work and some of the girls go, we're going to go back over there and we're going to clean before we knocked out the wall. And Jimmy shows up and he starts sharing his testimony with the girls and he's just talking about how he can, he's overwhelmed with the fact that we'd actually be there to help. And, and he just cannot believe all this stuff is happening. And, and a matter of fact, after it was over with, one of the ladies looked at me. We kind of met back up, and they were telling us about the conversation. And they, the lady said, can't remember who it was. They said, listen, if I wasn't a believer, I would be now after listening to Jimmy. She's like, he is like, he is sold out. He is so like genuine and so real with what his faith is doing in his life. He just, he absolutely is blown 
away by all the stuff. Here's a couple of pictures I've got of us working at the house. You can tell Heather's working really hard. Um, and then the next one, I think, is, uh, yeah, that's pulling up some carpet and getting some stuff out. The next one is Josh, I believe. No, that's Victoria on the staircase because uh, she's pregnant and she doesn't need to breathe in all the, I'm sure, healthy fumes in that house. Um, and then that's what Josh did most of the time. He's just playing on his phone. So I just put that up there. Real big help, Deacon Josh. Um, so they're over there. They're talking. They're kind of doing all this kind of stuff. And, and, and oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. That's, a, that's after we ripped out the wall. That's, a, that's OSHA approved. We're on a pile of rubble with a ladder leaned on it with somebody holding the Sawzall and somebody else holding it, grabbing it towards him. I think that's uh, legal in every state. Um, and so we're over here and we're, we're seeing all this stuff happen and Jimmy's talking and telling his story and, and, and so we go back over one other day and, and we've got like an hour before we have to go somewhere else. And Jimmy's trying to tell us thank you. Just from the bottom of his heart, he's just he's going, I, I can't believe this. And, and somebody's, we're standing in the foyer of the house and somebody just looks around and goes, this wallpaper need to come down? And he goes, yeah, but, and that's all it took. As soon as he said, yeah, everybody starts grabbing corners of wallpaper and we're ripping it and it's coming up and all this kind of stuff. And he's just like, his eyes are big. He's like, I can't, you guys got an hour here. And we're like, we'll get as much done as we can in an hour. And so 10 minutes later, I walk in and the floor is full of, of paper that they've already ripped off. And all of a sudden, this lady walks in the front door and it's Jimmy's sister. An unbeliever, somebody who has no idea, and she just kind of looks around at all of us. She walks through and she she looks at Jimmy and she says, Who are these people? And why are they here? And his response was this This is what they do. She was like, This is the church. This is what they do. So, sidebar. If someone was watching us, what would it be that they said that we do? Are we in our community serving? That's what they do. Are we talking about people? That's what they do. Are we stepping in when nobody else is stepping in? Are Are we standing firm in what is to be true and right and holy? That's what they do. Are we just bending with the wind? That's what they do. Jimmy's key statement that he said when he was talking to the girls that day, he was talking about how uh, their life and God had begun to do all this kind of stuff, and he was really kind of connecting um, what it means to be a believer and how we live our life and the things that he did. He said, you know, when I, when, when Andrea and I, when we got together and we got really living life the way we're supposed to live life, and we said that we're going to do this the right way. He said, quote, God steamrolled us. And man, that phrase just stuck in all of our heads of God steamrolled us. God has doing things that nobody else can do. And when there's a deep understanding of what the church is, and our, our actions as church members, as, as followers of Christ, as, as believers, when we connect faith, in obedience, church, God steamrolls us. I believe that authentic faith is faith that's lived out in obedience. 
Jimmy and Andrea, they're, they're trying to figure it out. They're, they're getting things right. And for many of us, uh, the folks in Winthrop, it's the same story, right? Here, listen, they, they, we talked to people who said, I've, I've attended a Catholic church my whole life. I went to a Catholic school and, quote, we never even opened the Bible. People showed up for a Bible study for the very first time and didn't have a Bible. And so the very first act of business for Jason was to go buy a bunch of Bibles and give them to them. And so, listen, you guys, show up to Bible study with a Bible. Sounds like a good idea to me. They never even began to connect the two things. My, my, y'all remember me talking about Pat, my man Pat? I love Pat. Pat got baptized a couple of weeks ago, too. Um, Pat was telling Jason, our church planner, he said, man, I was reading in the Bible, which is a big deal, in Isaiah. He said, I went to work that next day, and one of my coworkers was struggling with some stuff in her life. He said, and I was able to share a Bible verse that I had just read that morning with her. And he calls Jason, he's telling the story, and he, he said, it's just incredible that God would use me to encourage someone else. They're getting it. They're putting two and two together of faith and obedience, faith and action. Listen, a lot of people give James a hard time, but I love this verse in James. James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. The church, the church at Harbor City Church where people are learning that. They're learning that we can't just hear, we've got to do, we've got to apply, we've got to really figure out what this means and do it in our own life. But church, we've got to do that here too because here's what I've noticed. We've got a lot of people that have just enough Jesus in their life they're comfortable with. We've got a lot of people in our church that, that connect enough of spiritual life to real life and go, oh, that's good enough. I'm not going to go any further than that. When all the while, church is about and faith and relationship and religion and Jesus is about doing what He says. When Jesus looks at us and says, pray for your enemies, He didn't mean just those who, who you're not really, really mad at. Pray for the other people. When he says love one another, he didn't mean just the ones who are easy to love. When, it, when Paul says, husbands, love your wives, and wives, love your husbands, and children, obey your parents. It's not if you have time or if you feel like it or if you want to. These are not suggestions. They're commands. And Jesus tells us over and over again, pray continually, be a servant, forgive like I've forgiven you. These are not suggestions. And yet we look at this idea of obedience as optional. That we can kind of check in and check out of that as we wish because it's okay, Jesus loves us anyway. And it's not how, the, not, it's not how Scripture defines relationship. It's not how God defines salvation through this idea of flippant obedience. He says, listen, I love you. I gave myself for you. Just do what I'm asking you to do. I'm not saying that everybody at Harbor City Church is fully obedient. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that everybody at Emmanuel Baptist Church is fully disobedient. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying. Listen, Harbor City, they're infants. They're learning. We, we should be, by now, full and mature, with a complete understanding of Jesus our theme verse in Hebrews chapter 6, kind of the umbrella verse that we're talking about. If you go back into chapter 5, just about three or four verses, it says this. Hebrews 5.12, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach 
you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by consistent use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Church, it's time to move from this infancy milk to solid food of obedience. Hebrews here is just saying, listen, you ought to be, you ought to be, you have this down by now. You should be teaching other people by now. But you can't because you're still, you're still in elementary truths. Listen, it's okay. Believe that we're all on different areas and different uh, paths in our life and different maturity levels with Christ, but but we're in a position now where we, we have no excuse not to be moving towards solid food. And there's a lot of us who are just pacified with milk. Obedience is a major key player in that. And when you're obedient, you'll be steamrolled. I like that. Third area I want to talk about today, and then we're going to be done, is prayer. And I know when you think about a mission trip, you think, well, that's obviously a major part of it. But um, in a way, this time that maybe you don't even understand, I'm going to say it like this, I believe I've got it on the screen, prayer changes things. If you don't get anything this morning, get that. Prayer changes things. We had gone uh, out to eat one evening and, Jason and Micah, church planner and his wife, and Jess and I and some others were on one end of the table and we had a big long uh, table at a Mexican restaurant. Those are kind of hard to find up there. Uh, and so we stopped and we were, we were sitting there talking and waiting for our food and just being silly and goofy. And, and all of a sudden Jason leans over and, and he said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, what, what kind of prayer preparation do you do before you come on a mission trip? Before you come up here? And I was like, well, I mean, and so I kind of walked him through my process. You know, August, September, October, I really kind of devote that to prayer about what we're supposed to do next, where God's calling us to do, how that's going to all shake out. And then, um, and then we begin to talk about it within church and the circles of church and have people begin to pray about whether they should be involved in whatever mission focus we have for that year. And then uh, I said, you know, when we meet as a team, that team finally comes together. I believe God puts that team together for the right, right season, the right people. Uh, every time we meet, we spend some time in prayer. And we talk about how we need to be praying for specific people and this, this, and this. And so nobody just says, I'm going to go on this trip because I want to go on the trip. It's, it's prayerfully, you know, kind of walked all the way through us. And then, like when we're here, like this week, I said, well, we've got our church praying for us. I know there are people who are praying for us. I've gotten texts this week of people who have been praying for us. Almost every day I got a text. I said, why? Why do you ask that? That's kind of a weird question. And he just kind of looked over at his wife, and he looked back at us, and he said, because things happen when y'all are here that, that just don't happen when other teams are here. Things that we've been praying for since the last time y'all were here. Happened when y'all are here. And I said, it's because we're awesome. I mean, hello, we're the alpha team. We are the best, right? And he just lied. He's like, yeah, right. And I said, I said honestly, dude, I, I don't know how to explain that. So what are you talking about? So here's, here's kind of the quick rundown of this. Last year when we came uh, to Boston and 
to help them. Um, Jason had been trying to get some inroads with the Parks and Recreation Department. He'd been uh, trying to get a hold of this guy. His name was Sean, and, and he'd been calling. He'd seen him out in public, and Sean was real short with him, didn't want to say a whole lot to him. Very, very arm's length, did not trust, did not like him. And so uh, we show up last year, and, uh, and Jason finally gets a hold of him, and he says, if y'all want to do something, go pick up trash on the beach. And so last year, our team went out and we picked up trash on the beach. We picked up like, I think I've got in my notes 18, but I think it was more than that, bags of trash off the beach. And we piled them up in this big, huge pile at the end where he told us to, and we just left. And Jason called him and called his office and said, hey, Sean, uh, bags, are, bags are there for the, the trash guys to come pick up. We got it knocked out. Thanks so much. Well, that next day, Sean calls. It's like, I cannot believe y'all picked up 18 bags of trash. Hey, we've got two more opportunities for you guys to serve this week. Will you help us out? Yeah. The next day, we had three more opportunities to serve in the community, through the Parks and Recreation, through Sean. And now he has this ally with Sean. We saw him uh, this week. We saw him when we were up there. He got out of a van. And he, goes, he looked over at us. He goes, hey, church. And I was like, what's up, man? And he walked in. I go, I said, who was that? He goes, that was Sean. I was like, oh man, yes, I love it. So last year, all these doors started opening and we were doing, we were doing these big community events. We were making popcorn and uh, cotton candy and all this kind of stuff. And it was all through that relationship with Sean. This year, uh, Jason calls and says, hey, listen, pray for Rob. Said, okay. He said, Rob is on the city council and I'm trying to get involved in some city council things and he just won't. He's just, he's kind of arm's length. He won't let me in. He's, he's just kind of being weird. It's like, okay. And so we go, and the running joke when we get to Winthrop is he gives us an itinerary, and you can just throw it away because it doesn't ever mean anything. Last year, every day he'd go, hey, we got an itinerary change. We're not going to do what we said we're going to do. We're going to do this because every day new doors open. And the same way with, with this one. Um, we've been praying for Rob. And we get there, and, uh, and all of a sudden, Rob calls and says, hey, I've got something for you guys to do. Will you... Will you you guys care to clean up this municipal building? We just, we don't, the city doesn't have enough money to pay to have it done. Jason said, you bet, we'll be on it. And so we get over there, and I mean, it's just, it's like a parking lot with islands, and there's a building, and it's got a big long stretch, and there's just, I'm talking Justin Hollingsworth, I don't know if he's here this morning or not, but that dude like dove into the jungle with a bow saw and like knocked out this whole area, and I'm like, thank you, I don't want ticks. And so he just jumped right in, and, and in about three hours, the place looked completely Brand new. looked incredible. All the hedges were trimmed. I mean, we did, we did it all. Rob calls that afternoon. Hey, uh, we got some other opportunities for you. How about uh, this and this? So we ended up doing the elementary, the middle school, the junior high, the senior high, two different parks in the town square. And, and God just kept opening doors, opening doors, opening doors. We were sitting at a restaurant one night, and Rob walked up. Saw Jason and, and, and all of us sitting over there. He goes, hey guys, what's up? And he walks over. He has this entire conversation with us. Oh, I've been to Arkansas one time. One time I went to Arkansas. He said, I was in Memphis and I drove across the river and turned around and drove right back across the river. He said, I just want to say I went to Arkansas. And I was like, well, West Memphis. Woo, you really found us. You know? And so he was just this really super friendly, super real, laid back guy. And like that was, that was the day before we went out to eat. And Jason asked me, what can I pray? Why, they, why is all this happening when you guys come? And my answer to him was, dude, it's got to be prayer. Like prayer changes stuff. And he was like, I, can't, I, I cannot describe the open doors that happen when your team shows up. And church is as great as our team is. It's not because of our team. It's not because of anything outside of the power of 
prayer in a praying church. At the end of the week, Rob called Jason. Some of you all remember I told you the week before we left that they had an opportunity to get into a building, a permanent facility building, but that all fell through because they had all these repairs and things that needed to happen to it and stuff that was outside their means. And Rob calls Jason the day before we left and said, Hey, uh, I heard that building didn't happen. And he said, Yeah, it didn't. He said, Well, I got a couple of properties in mind. Why don't me and you meet this next week? We'll go out to eat lunch. And he said, We're going to find you a building. And Jason said, Okay. We'll set it up. How does that, how does a guy goes from, I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to have anything to do with you, and within five days, hey, I'm going to help find you a church building because what you're doing here is incredible. Listen, that doesn't have anything to do with Matt Overall or Dustin Barton or Josh Bryant or Mark Weeks. It doesn't have anything to do with any of the people on our team. Fran Vanderswam, as great as Fran Fran Vanderswam is, Mark Weeks said this week, he said, listen, I don't know about y'all, but if the end of the world comes, I'm going to find Granny. And we were all like, us too, right? Because we've got as great as she is. It doesn't have anything to do with us. It has to do with the power of prayer and the reality that God changes things. God works things out when His people pray. I talked to one of the people on our trip from our church, and they said, if I didn't walk away from anything from this trip, I walked away with this. I need to be praying more. I need to be praying more. And I said, you know what? You do. And he just looked at me. I said, and so do I. I said, I'd say it to any person in our church. You'd be praying more. I don't care if it's been eight hours a day praying. You'd be praying more. Because prayer changes things. We have this unlimited availability to communicate with our Creator. And you know what we mainly reserve that for? Emergencies and to bless our food. Is that really what it's about? I don't want to get into this prayer conversation too deep because in September we're going to have a whole prayer series and I'm super excited to preach through that. But, but when you hear this, prayer changes things, then the question I have for you is then why don't you do it? Why don't we do it? We say things like, well, if all else fails, pray. Really? Why are we going to put that on the end of all else fails? It should be pray first and see what happens next. We're going to do everything that we can do, but we're going to stop and we're going to pray first. James hits it on the the nail on the head again. In James chapter 5, he says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. If you memorize that verse in the King James Version like I did when I was a kid, it said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I didn't know what any of those words meant, but I had it memorized. But it means the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and it's effective. Because when people pray, God moves. Multiple times in Scripture we see Jesus seclude himself to go pray. Luke 5.16 says he frequently withdrew to the wilderness to pray. We don't know how many times Jesus did that. We don't know how many times. We know every time there was a big miracle, a lot of times before there was a big miracle, Jesus would pray. Remember in the garden, he was praying. When he would go up on the mountain and send the disciples across the lake, he was going up to pray over and over and over again. We see him stop and pray because he had a deep and mature in full understanding of his need to communicate with the Father. And I know every one of you are going, well, he's Jesus. 
But if Jesus needed to do that, don't you think we need to as well? If Jesus needed to stop everything and just get to a point where he could just stop and pray and talk to the Father, don't you think that we need to do that too? James tells us prayer is powerful. The people in Winthrop are experiencing the full fruit of your prayers. I wish I could make a list about all the things that happened this week through the prayers that I know people were praying specifically over those situations. We, the team, experienced the power of prayer and God's work because of that. We, the, the church planner, knew the difference between a praying church but in the same way, Right here in our own world, in our own concept, I believe marriages are healed. Families are reunited. Purpose is found. Forgiveness is granted. Grace is extended. The sick are healed. Ministries explode. And the lost are found. And people who are far from God come back to Him because prayer changes things. Boston is an it's a church, Winthrop and Harbor City is a church that's understanding church and obedience and prayer. Warren, I believe we're here at Emmanuel, are understanding church and obedience and prayer. And we're working towards this full and deep and mature understanding of how those things impact real life every day real life, not just the Jimmys and not just the Robs and the Shawns and not just uh, not just all these little extra things that we got to go do, but in, in my real life every day, what does the church look like? What does my obedience look like and what does prayer look like? Because I believe when we do that, when we take that from an elementary understanding to a full and complete understanding, then I believe our eyes are open to the reality that the gospel can do in our own life right here, right now. So here's my last thought and I'm done. The last thought is very simple. Are you understanding and experiencing these things from an elementary level or from a full and mature standpoint? Because it's time to go deeper. I could tell you 15 different stories. Lynn Blaylock came to my office this morning and said, don't forget about the guy who, who was a firefighter and he'd been praying for a church and he hadn't heard about Jason and Harbor City Church and his words to me were, could he have been sent here for us? Is, is he here for me? That's an answer to a prayer. Last year, the young lady who, who we went to go clean up the yard and she lived on the third level of a triple-decker house. And the people who owned the house had both had cancer and they couldn't get out and they couldn't do the yard. And we showed up and we cleaned up and cleaned out. And she came downstairs and said, quote, I've been praying for a church. Couldn't find one. And here you are. You're literally in my own backyard. See, we have these thoughts of what church is about and what, how fickle my obedience can be and how prayer really is just this thing that we do. It's not really powerful church it's time to move from that elementary thought to a deep full and mature understanding so this morning is a little different i know i've told a lot of stories but here's what i believe can happen i believe that when we understand the power of god working in one area that that catch that fire that fire can catch here and that we can see god work and move 
and do incredible things here. Those 15 people that went and came back are ready to do whatever it is they got to do to make the gospel known in this area. And that's, that's just the, the tip of what God can do. When people's hearts are, are stirred and ready, ready to make it real, ready to make it full and deep and mature and move past this elementary thought. So my, my, my challenge to you this morning is, what's it going to be? Are you going to stay elementary? Are you going to stay surface level? Are you going to stay the tip of the iceberg? Are you going to go deeper than that and go, you know what, this whole Jesus thing, this whole God thing, this whole relationship thing is even bigger than what I've given it breath. And maybe this summer, you know what, maybe this summer you've just kind of slacked off. Maybe you've just kind of taken a deep breath and thought, well, it's all right. I'll get back to it when school starts or when schedules calm down or when kids go back to school and they're out of my hair. Maybe maybe you've had all kinds of excuses. Maybe even it's been a longer season than that. Just kind of been going through the motions and kind of hitting the high points when you need to. But Really, there's not a deep understanding of what God can do in your life. Today, I believe, is a day that can change all that. Today is the day that you can just say, God, it's time to go deep. Hey, this is Matt Overall, the pastor here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Just want to say thanks so much for watching our services, whether through our television ministry or our online ministry. We appreciate you so much being a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and we'd love to have you come and join our worship service. Uh, Sunday morning service starts at 1030. Our small groups start at 930. And we'd love to have you be a part of it. We've got a lot of different ministries that happen at Emmanuel, from our children and youth that's focused on Wednesday nights to our uh, women's Bible studies that happen throughout the week. We'd love to have you be a part of everything that's going on here at Emmanuel. Thanks for watching.